Download the SportDeck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news and betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com. It was back in 2010 when 100,000 people lined the Blackpool Promenade as a victorious squad travelled on an open-top double-decker bus from Ginn Square down the Golden Mile to Waterloo Headland. Their manager, Ian Holloway, took to the stage addressing the crowd. This is the most unbelievable moment of my life, he said. I've jumped on the best ride of my life and I don't want to go home. Fast forward six years and the tangerine dream is well and truly over. You're listening to Sportdex Football League Show. I'm Dave O'Grady. Delighted to be joined by my co-host for this series. It's the former Sunderland, Preston, Wolves, much more, striker Stephen Elliott. You're very welcome, Stephen. How's it going, Dave? I'm glad to be here. On the show, we're looking to bring you an exclusive insight into the great English clubs and find the stories behind some of these fascinating clubs and talk to the people that have really helped shape their part in football history. Stephen, I think it's probably fair to say there's so many great clubs out there, so many great people behind these clubs, and these stories are in a box just waiting to come out. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Obviously, you look at the Premier League now at the moment and it gets seems to get all the kind of media attention, everything. But I, I had looking down through the three divisions in the Football League and there's some massive clubs there um, standing up them leagues there, like the likes of, obviously, Derby County, mm. Sheffield Wednesday, Blackpool, Blackpool and Rovers, like to name a few. And I'm sure there's, there's a lot of stories in amongst them clubs that their supporters would love to hear about. The reaction of some of our Sport Deck stories that we've gotten has been huge. And what we found is they may not be world widely known clubs but what we can say is that those that are the fans that are dedicated to these clubs they're just so in tune and they're so dedicated and when we post something about one of these clubs they're all over it yeah definitely I think obviously fans of the clubs that aren't in the line they love reading about stories about the obviously like you mentioned insights into what goes on and the everyday in their clubs and maybe how success has been achieved on occasions at these clubs and it's up to us to go and find these these really good stories out there all these stories of course are mentioned on the sport deck app if you'd like to download us we're available on the app store and you can get us for android as well simply go to sportdeck.com we've got live scores stats the latest news and betting all in one app well let's kick things off and we're delighted to be joined now on the line by a real blackpool legend he's currently coaching at the fleetwood town academy stephen craney thanks a million for joining us oh no worries at all dear pleasure let's go back to that fantastic time back in the playoffs of 2009-2010 and you guys got promoted. What was it like around the town and indeed the club at the time, Stephen? I'd imagine the buzz was on a different level. Yeah, it was, to be honest. Um, On the process of going into the playoffs that season, we were playing some really good stuff Um, and there was a good vibe in the dressing room that this group of players could go on and do something special. And that's what the lads went on to do. Um, I think we were unbeaten in maybe 10, 12 games uh, leading up to getting into the playoffs. And we had that momentum going into the playoffs against Nottingham Forest, um, who we played. And um, we went to the city ground. I think we won 4-3 away there in the second leg. And it was just incredible. Then getting to the final against uh, Cardiff. 
But even that season, when teams were scoring, we know that we had the capability of we were going to score in any match and even come back and win most matches. And that's exactly what happened in the final. Cardiff went one up, um, but as I say, throughout that season, we were constantly scoring against anyone, and that's what we've done. And, and thankfully, we went on to win the game 3-2, which all the goals were in the first half. It was one of the ones walking in at half-time, and it was really warm that day. I think it was 106 pitch side. And we went in at half-time and saying to each other, what's the score? Because there was that much happening in the first half. Then thankfully in the second half, um, I think Cardiff hit the bar in the second half, but thankfully for us we held on and we got into the Premier League, which was a dream come true for the lads. Yeah, I was just thinking, you were saying about the great performances, Stephen, of the club throughout that season, and I guess for you guys it was really uncharted territory I mean what was the feelings like around the club and I guess the mentality of the squad did you feel that okay this is bonus territory where we're going with this or was it a case that you know you felt yes this might be the only chance in you know in history to to make that big move and you know you can go down in history what kind of pressures did that bring on you? Um, to be honest, I think most of the lads in that changing room at that time were, were really good characters and, and to be honest there was loads of winners as well which I think um, went a long way to help us get promoted. Um, but it was just uh, when it happened, the, the buzz about the town, it was just incredible everywhere you went, people were talking about it and it was just one of the ones that you're never going to forget. Stephen, Stephen Elliott here, uh, nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you, Stephen. Uh, I'm Irish legend. <laughs> now, I'm just saying that obviously you walked under Ian Holloway there during that se- during them them seasons. What was he like to walk under? Like on a obviously we've seen him in the press and that, and he was kind of very outgoing, said some kind of funny things mm. as such. But what was he like actually being a manager and being in the dressing room on on a daily basis with him? It was incredible, to be honest. Obviously, we played loads of expansive football at Blackpool, and as I say, that was one of the factors of us getting promoted and doing so well in the period we did. But working with him day in, day out, you knew what you were, you knew what he wanted you to do on that pitch, and and I think, as I say, there was loads of factors, and that was another factor that helped us as well. Um, but he was one of those managers; he would do loads of talking as well, and. You just want it. It's that old saying. Um, you want it to run through brick walls for them, and and, that, and that's what the lads done at that time. And it was just an unbelievable time. It was quite romantic in a way as well, Stephen. That obviously Ian Holloway was very well known in the football league but in terms of the Premier League it was really a first you know (laughs) an experience of Ian Holloway on the global stage did you guys already know that he was going to cause such I suppose such interest as what he did do when he finally got to the Premier League yeah, well, obviously we worked with him day in, day out, and we could see the, the type of character character he was, and we knew the press were going to love him, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but just going on to it again, it was just... Even getting to the Premier League and going to like, the play the likes of Old Trafford, Danfield, Stamford Bridge, the Emirates, it was just... You were pinching yourself sometimes walking into these stadiums thinking, geez, we're going to be playing against the, the best players in the world here, but... I think we more than held our own at the same time as well in the Premier League and I think in the end we were unlucky to go down. I think it was maybe 30 or 39 points and that doesn't happen very often in a Premier League season. So, But even when we did get, get relegated, we got to the playoff final again the following season which was unbelievable character from the lads because after a relegation you're a bit down in the dumps but we, we never looked at it like that. 
we just stayed on that uh, crest of the wave and we got to the playoff final against West Ham, but unfortunately we lost that day. But they, those three, four years were, were just incredible and something that I'm never, ever going to forget. What was it like, Stephen, in the area at the time? Because obviously you brought Premier League football to Blackpool. Uh, so The fans are so passionate up there and they just they seem to really get behind the team. And I suppose even out on the street in your day-to-day life, there must have been just a, a great buzz around the place during that period. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was just the right buzz about the town. And, and I think financially for the town as well, I think it generated a lot of income for, for businesses in the town. We had loads of travelling fans coming to the town as well, and even loads of fans want to come and watch Blackpool. But regarding the fan side of things, um, I think Blackpool holds maybe fourteen, fifteen thousand 15,000 fans. But on a game day, it felt as if there was 50,000 fans in that stadium. It was absolutely... Um, a great atmosphere and and one that I'll never forget again. As I said, just the, mm. the noise and the passion of the fans was incredible. I remember, Stephen, obviously, I lived in the area there for a bit on the file coast from my time at Preston and I remember obviously as a Preston player like you kind of we were all a little bit envious of the Blackpool lads during them seasons because we had got to the playoffs and missed out and obviously the following season you obviously like you had mentioned gone on and kind of gone to the Premier League but I, I remember the town it just it seemed like everywhere you went there was a Blackpool so Blackpool supporters coming out of the closet there, there was, was a new Blackpool yeah, illumination there was, there, was Bla- there was Blackpool buntings flags hanging out of the houses and was, as I said from a Preston's point of view it was, it was a bit sickening but as I said you couldn't help but be admired what what used by is done? Yeah, I think obviously going back to the group of lads that we had at that time, I'm not saying it was a lot of lads maybe taking a step step back in their career, but I think the majority of the lads in that squad at that time, not just to prove to other people, but prove to themselves that they could they could play at a decent level, and I think that helps. It was like all pieces of the jigsaw just clicked together, the likes of Charlie Adam and David Vaughan, and just. The whole piece of the jigsaw just fitted together and the way Ian Holloway got his playing was just incredible and like obviously Charlie's doing really well at Stoke now, what a great mm. left foot he's got and it's just obviously he, he won us a lot of games and stuff at getting promoted but it was a real collective team effort and I'm sure any of the lads that you spoke to, if you spoke to any of the lads at that time that they would have said the same thing and I'm sure they will now. It was really the, I won't say the making of Charlie Adam but it was a, a real time where he put himself in the window as a, a fantastic footballer with his ability and he could do so many things and you know we've seen what happened to him, his career just rocketed up after that. I mean it must have been very encouraging for you guys to know that a player like that had come from that incredible team display that you did in, in order to qualify for the Premier League? Yeah, definitely. And going back to that one again, proving people wrong and stuff, I think Charlie was obviously at Rangers at the time when he first came to Blackpool on loan and he wasn't playing regular at Rangers and he obviously he wanted to go and prove to himself and other people that he could play and he done, and he done that uh, tenfold. Um, so, but it's obviously all the lads in the Blackpool team have helped Charlie along the way as well to get to get that move that he got to Liverpool and, and now he's, um, he's doing really well at Stoke and he's scored some unbelievable goals in the Premier League. Yeah, he's really been incredible. Just for you, Stephen, here with me, when you guys were there looking at this Blackpool team and, and what they were achieving at the time. Did that encourage the likes of you guys there at, at Preston North End and some of the other clubs, I'd imagine, to think that, well, look, if Blackpool can do it, anybody can do it? 
Well, you, in football, I think in general, like, you, you know if you can get on a good run, especially in the championship. I think it's you get going on a run of. I've been promoted twice from my time at Sunderland from that league, and I, I know once you go on a run of winning games it becomes an awful good habit and mm. I think you build up a confidence because every game you play in that league it's really really tough because there's no no team I don't think that's miles miles better than any other team and you got you got to up your game for every game and obviously for the likes of a team like Blackpool who would have been unfashionable compared to some of the other teams to do it was was great to see even obviously I played for Preston for a couple of years it was still it was good to see I had friends in the area and they, you could see they had a kind of spring in their step and it's Obviously now, when I when I look at the club now, it's it's a mm. bit like what has gone wrong type of thing. You know, it's just I can't believe it. Considering where they were literally on the crest of a wave, and now it looks like they're kind of literally down the barrel of a gun. You know, it's mm. it's it's totally different there at the moment. I, I I don't understand it. Yeah, Stephen, what do you make of you know when you look at the club situation at the moment? I mean, of being in the in the middle of the the bottom tier of the football league. I mean, it's very difficult. I know for Blackpool fans, but also for you know the greater football public to look at a, a side that we really enjoyed when they were in the Premier League just to have kind of really fallen from grace Yeah, going back to um, obviously Stephen get promoted with Sunderland and uh, I think it all depends on what kind of type of characters you've got in the dressing room which I think is massive going back to winners and um, good good team camaraderie and um, I'm sure Stephen had that at Sunderland and Wills but maybe Blackpool haven't got that at the moment but as it's a shame to see what's happened there by now and, and hopefully the, the club can get get back to where it was um, a few years ago but I think they've got a long way to do that but hopefully they can because I feel sorry for the fans at the moment. Yeah, we see a situation with the fans. I know a lot of the Tangerine fans are saying that the owners, the money that they would have gotten from the Premier League, it wasn't invested properly in a club and from your experience in, in being with clubs, Stephen, I'd imagine you know, when a club does get promoted like that, the importance, especially if it's, you know, to the big Premier League with the, in I say, current state Premier League, what it is today, the importance is to really reinvest back in clubs. I mean, in order to secure a good, stable future, whether you guys go down or stay up. Yeah, I think that's massively important, but maybe the club um, didn't spend money when maybe we should have, but... That's not for me to say that. That's owners at the side that and the powers that be uh, the club. And but as I say, it's just it's just sad to see where the club is at the moment. And I don't even think there's many fans fans going to the match now. And which is sad to see because I said at one point that stadium was absolutely bouncing in the Premier League and on the crest of that wave in the Championship getting promoted. But as I say, I want the club to get back to um, where it should be and where it belongs because mm. I think the fans deserve it. I'd imagine it has to be difficult for the players themselves when they see, I think there's something I was reading this week, that there was only 2,200 fans going to Bloomfield Road now and the East Stand, what they built for the Premier League, it it's completely derelict and, and empty these days. Have you ever experienced anything like that before? Is it, yeah, well, it's it's for me, it's it's crazy. Like, I think even when they got to the Premier League, they, they built, a, am I right, Stephen, saying they, they kind of built a new stand and everything to kind of fit in with the Premier League regulations? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, um, for me, like, I was yeah, watching, obviously... The, yeah, I was saying I seen the cup game there against I think it was a Blackburn or something there a few weeks ago, and I think both both sets of fans were having a bit of a joint kind of protest against the two two owners, which is crazy for two fabulous clubs like um, 
obviously Blackpool and Blackburn but for me the thing that sticks out in my mind is in the last five years they've had eight different managers at Blackpool wow. and yeah that's crazy like, to, for, to move forward at a club you, you, that's that's nowhere near enough stability I think you need to have a plan in place and obviously get a manager in there back him like financially and obviously kind of have a bit of trust in the players he's bringing to the club because like I mentioned to have eight different guys in charge you feel like there's just players are going to see that from the outside and the better players aren't going to really want to be part of that so I, I, me personally looking from the outside I would like to see Gary Bowyer there now kind of giving a kind of run at things and seeing where he can take them because I think he's he's got the potential to kind of get them back up the leagues what do you reckon Stephen? Yeah I agree I've, I've, spoke, I've spoke to a few fans that do go to the games now um, Stephen and, and they say they're playing some good stuff at the moment but and I say if they keep continuing that I think the more fans will start to go back but as you say, you've, when you're chopping and changing your manager that many times, there's no stability. And there's one thing, as you'll know, Stephen, as well, when a new manager does come into a, a, a club, they try and put their stamp on things and it could be a totally different philosophy to what, to what you're used to. And it takes time to bed in again. Then by that time, if you're losing a few results, then if that manager changes again, then you're back to square one, which doesn't help the confidence going forward. So... I think at any club, no matter if it's Blackpool, I think you need that stability moving forward, definitely. Yeah, I think as a player as well, going into a club, you want to be signing for a guy who you know is not going to be sacked like in two or three mm. months after a couple of bad results. You, you need you need to build up a trust with your squad, which is obviously what you guys had when uh, Ian Holloway was in charge, and obviously you you reap the benefits on the pitch, but. Listen, I, I think they've got they've got the potential there in the city. Like they've seen what it's like when, when they were in the big time, and I think they've got every everything in their armory to kind of go back and hopefully do that one day for the club. But as I said, something needs to kind of change. Whether that's to do with the owners sticking with a manager, investing a little bit more money, or is it the supporters coming back and supporting the club? But it can't continue going on the way it is, or it's only going to end in one way. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think. A number of things need, need to happen, as you say. The fans going back, maybe the owners spending a bit more money and, and a bit of stability with the manager, but hopefully that can come in the coming months. And, and who knows, Blackpool could go on a good run and maybe even get promoted to League One, then that could be the, the beginning of something, something good at the club again. Now, you still live in the area, from what I understand, Stephen. Do you notice a difference now from, I guess, the people there towards the team as they would have been back then when the side was flying high? Yeah, there is a massive difference. I've spoke to loads of fans in the area and uh, there's loads not going to the games at the moment for all different reasons, to be honest. But I think I'd like to see all the fans going back, to be honest, because at the end of the day, if you support a club, no matter what's going on um, in the outset and behind the scenes, I think you should be there to support the club. So hopefully that can happen if if the team um, start to win a few more games and they can get the fans back. Looking back on your own career, Stephen, when you think about your time at Bloomfield Road, would you say that that was probably one of the most enjoyable periods of time you have spent as a footballer? Yeah, it's definitely up there. Obviously, playing at the highest level in the English uh, Premier League was, was just a dream come true. And obviously, I started my career up at um, Celtic in Scotland. Um, and me as a kid growing up, Stephen knows that I'm good friends with Stephen. I'm, I'm a big Celtic fan and and to go right through the ranks and um, play for um, Celtic was just an unbelievable time for me, not only me, but for my family at the same time. But there does become a point, well, also I left Celtic when I was 21, and there becomes a point where you don't let your heart rule your head, and, and I had to move on, um, yeah. because I, was, I wasn't playing as many games as I would have liked. So I get to the stage I need to look after myself and my career, um, 
and Gordon Stratton came in and signed with Southampton and, that, and that's why he ended up down south for, for so long but I'll never forget my time at Celtic it was an unbelievable experience for me and make my debut at 18 just a, a, a great um, grounding for me and playing with the likes of players like Henry Glass and Paul Lambert and Chris Sutton and that team that, that season and being on the being involved in the team that went to Seville and getting beat off Portland in the UEFA Cup final and being part of that so early in my career helped me um, throughout my career. I'd imagine it's quite daunting for a youngster at that age to, you know, be donning the jersey, going to Celtic Park, and especially back then, I know Celtic were pulling huge crowds. the The hype was the hype was on a different level, particularly that tr- yeah. that team and what you said. For a youngster, did you just kind of go with the flow, or did you have a hard job preparing yourself mentally for that? As a kid, I was quite mentally strong anyway, to be honest, but to be honest, you had to be when you're going in, going in and training day, out, day, uh, day in, day out with these lads every day, because they, they, they lads in that squad were winners, and going back to that word, winners again, and, and me seeing their players like that from such a young age, I think it's helped me and kind of moulded me into that type of player as well. Because when you see these players want to win, no matter if it's um, a five-a-side game in training or a eleven-a-side, no matter what team they were in, they wanted to win, um, which was good to see for me uh, being such young. And as I say, it's helped me throughout my career. I look back at my own my own time and uh, the U team in in Manchester City as well. A bit like yourself, obviously, I didn't play as many times for Man City as you did for Celtic. But I look back and even training myself with the kind of players that were there at the time, the likes of. Uh, Robbie Fowler, Nicholas and Elka, like players like that who are world renowned. And as a young boy, I yeah. think that's helped me really further down the line in my career to kind of uh, take take things on board in your mind how you how they do stuff. And obviously with other clubs yeah. that you've played with, it's like it's something that you can only kind of you can only dream of doing as a young lad to be around kind of these these super players. Which I'm sure you'll agree with me. It does help you even when you move on to, like away from the city you would have been used to as a young lad because you do have to grow up quickly as well. And I just think. For me personally, they 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 were the things that helped kind of lay the seeds for the rest of my career. And I, it sounds like it was a bit similar for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Even like, training with players like that day in day out, Stephen. It's maybe they might just say one word to you, but that one word might stick stick with you for the rest of your career. Like so, when I was playing a few games at Celtic, when I was up there, I can remember Paul. We we done the huddle and stuff, and Paul Lambert just looking over to me and saying. Stephen, just play your normal game. But something like that just sticks in your head as in, yeah, you're right, just go and concentrate my normal game. Why worry? You're just doing what you do in day, uh, do day in, day yeah. out. And got small things like that. And he was great for advice, Paul Lambert, and what a player he's been throughout his career. And he's went on to be a top manager at the same time as well. And um, yeah, it's advice. Day in, these lads it's was, was massive help to me. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm saying, would would that have been something that you would have took on as as you got older in your career? Like, say, when you were at Blackpool and other clubs, I know you had a spell at Wigan as well. Did you feel the need as a senior player to give that advice on to the young lads after? Or would they kind of, did you sense they looked up to you at times, some of the young guys, for that experience if things weren't going too well, too well for them? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, later on in my career when I was at Wigan and Fleetwood and stuff, you did try and give advice to younger lads because... You could tell they, they did look up to you because what you've done in your career and stuff, and you could see them taking it on board, which is good. So if you're helping a, a younger kid for maybe 1% of what they're going to do, you've done your job and you've helped them and guided them on the right path. It's remarkable to hear the two of you guys talking like that, how even a casual comment of a senior player passing 
through a dressing room or passing by in the club can actually mean so much to a youngster going through and you're hearing of some clubs now and their the senior team are really not interacting with the the younger players at the club at all so it's fascinating to hear when you look at Celtic today Stephen uh, what's your opinion on how things are going obviously Brendan Rodgers is doing very well for what he has in terms of you know there wasn't the huge financial backing that there was back then uh, in with that fantastic team but no doubt uh, he, they're doing quite well what do you think? Yeah, I think Brendan Rodgers has went in and um, put his stamp on that team and got them playing his philosophy, which is they've been playing some unbelievable football, to be honest, building through the back. But there's one thing that sticks in my mind about Brendan Rodgers' philosophy is he, he gets his striker to press high and that follows on in the midfield, going um, back that up with pressing behind and then the defence can get high line. But obviously in Scotland, Celtic are playing against no lesser teams as such, but the Celtic fans are maybe expecting Celtic to win week in, week out. But sometimes that's hard because teams go and sit in against them and, and sometimes it's hard to break them down. But Brendan's always always found a way and a will to win games and he's doing unbelievable. And I think, I think the future's really looking bright for Celtic at the moment. Yes, certainly they seem to be on the up and it's got to be difficult enough for Brendan Rodgers dealing with that week-on-week must-win pressure every game. Um, Very quickly before we let you go, Stephen, plans going forward? I know you're uh, coaching there at Fleetwood Town uh, for the academy there. uh, Are you really getting a good grasp of that and, you know, is that the big plan, getting more involved in coaching? Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's, it's just like me starting my football career. I'm just starting my coaching career at the moment and I'm just grateful to Fleetwood that they've gave me that opportunity to work with the younger kids. And to be honest, I just, the same as I was when, when I was young as well as a player, I want to try and get to the top. Um, I want to just try and learn every day. I've got a long way to go, I know that. I'm just in the coaching side of things. But moving forward, as I get that more experience, I think the experience I've um, earned as a player, I think I can help the club moving forward and move in the right direction. Yeah, we wish you the very best of luck going forward. No doubt it's going to work out well. Uh, the serious work ethic that you have will surely be rewarded. Stephen Crenny, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Cheers, mate. Appreciate that, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. No worries. Speak soon, mate. Well, there you have it. A fascinating career uh, of Stephen Craney there. And unbelievable achievements, it's probably fair to say. You know, getting to do so much in football in England, but also holding his achievements at Celtic so close to his heart and now taking all that experience and bringing it into coaching. And you can hear by the sound of him that his drive is still very much there. Yeah, definitely. He, he's had a fantastic career, Stephen has. I know him quite well and he started off, like you mentioned, up in Celtic, won a couple of trophies there. And to do that for your boyhood club must have been, been really amazing and I'm some, and it's something I'm sure he'll always carry close to his heart. But for me, what stands out is his time at Blackpool. He had a really great six years there. He was part of, obviously, like he mentioned, getting promoted to the Premier League, having some great, great days out at the club. I I, I think he's a, he's a really good professional from what I know of and like you say, he's gone into the coaching now, and obviously he's at Fleetwood. But I think you could, I think Blackpool could look at him and have somebody that is so kind of engraved in their history. I think they could do worse than get somebody like him into the club, maybe helping out with the academy or even the force team, because his passion for the club would be second to none. And I'm sure that would rub off on the players there now, because he, he's got Blackpool engraved in him at this stage. Yeah, I think they probably do need uh, some sort of an open-mindedness there to go go forward. We were talking about Charlie Adam and it got me thinking, you know, 
Blackpool really put his name down in England. I know he achieved quite a lot in, uh, for Rangers as well before that. But uh, another player as well was Seamus Coleman because a lot of people f- might forget that he actually was on loan at Blackpool when Blackpool got promoted and he played a, a really strong role in actually helping them get promoted. Yeah, I remember speaking to the lads at Blackpool that I knew at the time and they said Seamus Coleman, they couldn't believe how good he was, obviously coming from the Irish League into Everton, but he says he played with such a maturity even back then that they, they only knew it was a matter of time before he was going to be a regular in the Everton team and we've seen what happened with Seamus now over the last few years and listen, he's probably our best player now in Ireland, if not one of the best right-backs in the Premier League. I remember when he first burst on the scene, uh, the word on the street was that they were calling him Seamus Ramos uh, because of he was tending to play a little bit like Sergio Ramos bursting down the line like that but where he's come to now is just a, it's a different story yeah hats off to him it's, it's, it's a terrific story obviously coming where he has in, in the in the League of Ireland to go over and take the Premier League by storm really and there's talk of him going to Man United there in the January transfer window yeah. but he, he decided to stay at Everton because he's obviously comfortable there he's happy there he's, he's really adored by the, the fans there he's playing regular football so in a way it's a bit similar to the situation remember a few years back Leighton Baines when there was talk of yeah. him going to Manchester United and he decided to sign a new contract with Everton so I think um, Everton Everton have the makings of, a, of doing something really special there and under Ronald Koeman as well I wouldn't be surprised to see them challenge him for the, the top European places in the next few years One player I used to follow from Blackpool and I think he had he was eligible to play for Ireland he never did, did though was Ben Burgess and I remember reading I'm not so I'm not sure how true this is but I remember reading an article that he would play a match and he was I think he was studying journalism as well at the time and he'd write the article after the match which has to be a unique selling point for any type of player to come back after the game and, and write a write a piece about it. Yeah, that's interesting enough. I actually played with Ben in the young young Irish team setups. I think it was well, he was a few years older than me. I played. I think it might have been under twenties or twenty ones and that. So he, he definitely had a bit of Irish in him. But I actually think he's a school teacher now. If, really? if, I'm, wow. if I remember correctly, I'm sure I've I've seen an article on him teaching the pri- teaching in primary schools in the Blackpool area. So just goes to show you that this footballers aren't all, all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we know that. We're not going to say that. We've we've talked to a couple of people that have analysed the minds of footballers and I think it's it's technically proven now that they're not that stupid. Well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time here on the Debut Sport Deck Football League show. Our thanks to Stephen Craney for joining us. Remember to get down to Sport Deck for the best live scores, stats, the latest news and betting. We have them all in one place on the Sport Deck app. Go to sportdeck.com. We're available on the App Store and you can get us on Android as well. Well, from Stephen Elliott and myself, Dave O'Grady, we'll chat to you soon. Take care. Download the Sport Deck app today for live scores, stats, the latest news in betting. You can find us on the App Store or by going to sportdeck.com.